Welcome to the new day, my fellow thinkers. I am coming to you from tantalizing, sensual, aromatic Buffalo, New York. I am your host, Logan Eldine Misseldine. And today, today is going to be an interesting day. Um, obviously, uh, it's going to be kind of a morbid subject I'm talking about, but I want, and, and I gave, uh, I, I put in a more, much more bubbly song on, on the beginning of this. I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to start this off on all, all the a morbid notes. So hope you guys enjoyed that rocking tune. <laughs> but, um, other than, other than that, you, you guys, I guess, kind of get what's going on. Um, especially if you're reading the title of this before you're even, uh, going to listen to this. It's, it's, I'm going to be talking about death. I'm going to be talking about, uh, you know, I'm just not going to really be focusing in on one thing in particular. I'm just going to be kind of talking about it as a kind of a theme in general and kind of just how it, you know, because it's multifaceted. Obviously, there's so many different ways that it plays into our lives, and I'm going to go into real big detail of that. But before that, I just kind of want to talk about my week, some plans I'm going on, and I'm going to be having, and some stuff that I've just been doing. So, like, uh, this week, you know, just number... Another kind of just normal week, you know, just have been, uh, you know, been cooking more at home lately and have fi- finding the time to do it. Uh, my wonderful wife bought me a cast iron skillet as well as a Dutch oven for Christmas this past year. So I've been really, really making use of it. I don't know if I'll ever go back to anything else. I absolutely adore my, my, my skillet. Um, I haven't used my Dutch oven yet. I'm planning to here soon because we're just planning some stuff for the, the summer. Um, next month. Uh, I'm gonna be doing with her. Uh, we're gonna be doing an overnight camp, just just a night camp, uh, just just down in Al- uh, Allegheny State Park here in New- Western New York. A really beautiful place. It bleeds into uh, uh, Pennsylvania and turns into a national forest. So I decided just to kind of just kind of take take it easy. Uh, she's not as adventurous as I have been in my life, and it'd be just good just to have a night trip and just get all the gear that we've bought over this past year and just give it a good test run and see what, what's working, what's not. I haven't gone camping in a, too long, so just going to give it the shot, but other than that, you know, just gonna, we're going to be, we're going to be uh, watching, we're going to be going to see some musicals, we're going to be seeing Hamilton this year, we're going to be seeing um, uh, Fiddle on the Roof when it comes through. Uh, really excited for that. Really, especially for Fiddle on the Roof. Uh, Hamilton, I'm just more of just trying to keep up with the, the young kids, keep it hip and fresh, and really figure out what that's all about. I haven't listened to a single song. I mean, I've heard it here and there, but I haven't heard a single song. I don't know anything about the story. I'm trying to keep it like I would a movie. Just keep it virgin. Just keep it keep it chill. But uh, other than that, um, I'm just going to be training my dog for this upcoming season, whether, whether he wants to kind of cooperate with me a lot i'm 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 working on gun training him and uh working on gun shyness i don't know if he is or not well i'm, I'm gonna figure that out i'm gonna be taking really taking it slow this summer with him gonna be looking to do something with that about this this weekend um uh well let's see and then come october i we're gonna be doing a uh, a couple night trip to the adirondacks uh i'm gonna go out actually i'm gonna we're going to do kind of a twofer. We're going to take a canoeing trip and I'm going to, on top of that, I'm going to, I'm going to go hunting out there. Uh, whether or not I score a deer or, uh, anything else, I'm, I'm more looking to just kind of have a, an adventure with my wife and keep it comfortable for her. So where, you know, during the day, like she, she can tag along or not, or just enjoy herself. Cause she, she does camp and she has, it just, she's never done a backcountry experience. So I'm, I'm excited. We've been looking at a couple areas and hoping that we can get out there for the season. So, 
it's, it's the very beginning of deer season up in that region so i'm i'm hopefully going to be up there for the opening day and just see what i can land uh i'm gonna be doing my part with uh with herd management and i'm gonna buy uh as many doe tags as possible i think it's two I, i'm in my my chances i gotta double check that but i didn't do it last year and i should have but so i might I might get one out there, and then uh, when when the southern region opens up, I'll probably I might get another one and donate that one just to and just donate to people around me and stuff. I've just been really interested in doing that as well, not just trying to feed myself, but also share for other people. It's just a huge thing for me. Um, yeah, with that, I'll keep you guys posted. I'm definitely gonna post a, maybe in a video. If I had a YouTube channel, I'd probably be filming it right now and filming it all about. But yeah, I'm not too keen on a youtube channel I've, I've got enough of my plate as it is uh especially with this instagram and stuff trying to keep it up but uh th- those are some of my biggest plans other than that uh just been just been working on myself as a, as a person uh this podcast really uh i mean as much as i would love if it turned into something big like a joe rogan podcast you know with sponsors and stuff and like a, a, a elaborate guests uh that'd, that'd be great but honestly this is more of just and i'm gonna just be honest there's just some reality here is just me as a person, I really have huge anxiety. Like I never went to a doctor or a psychiatrist or anything, got diagnosed with anything. And I, I just, I don't believe I will either. I, I believe in suffering a little bit, but I, um, I, uh, I, I really do have really deep seated anxieties, especially with the way that I talk, the way that my words come across to people, uh, bleeds into just about everything that I do. And, I don't feel like my diction is as good as it should be. Uh, I stutter a lot. You guys hear that? I mean, you've been hearing it now. Um, especially the more nervous I get. Uh, like, if I get comfortable and I lose my anxiety, I'm a very bubbly, extrovert of person. I, I'm a huge social butterfly. I really like talking to people. I'm very outward. But it's as soon as when I feel like I, my personal self and the things that I believe and talk and are saying uh, get really if I start downing those and it just builds and builds and builds and I, I shut down. And so hopefully with this podcast, I'm able to just kind of share and, and I'm, I'm, I'm using the podcast as a place to, uh, have an account like have accountability for myself. So where I, I, I keep up on it. I don't just do it a little bit, get over the anxiety for that day and then just drop it. Cause there's nobody that is expecting anything out of me. Um, I have a pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sneaky and I'm pretty good at shirking responsibilities. So subjecting something like this public to people that I don't even know and have never met and strangers that, you know, if, if, if I believe that you're looking at this and wanting this and seeing this, then, then I'm going to be keep doing it and I'm going to keep going out. So I, uh, I'm very, very appreciative of any feedback. I'm very good with criticism. I'm very appreciative of any recognition. Not because I'm a so I'm a social whore, or a attention whore. Because I really am looking for this as a as a confirmation that I am all right and I am okay. Just kind of like a little pick me up that I kind of need, especially when I get especially anxious. Uh, it bleeds into even going inside a store to go or like ordering over the phone. I, I get really tripped up for the way that I speak. So this this is, has been helping me a lot, and um, I really wanted to acknowledge. Everybody, thank you so much for even the the comments and the and the the messages and and things that you guys have sent. Like just a couple of you, and it's very few, obviously. But I I really support it. anybody on Instagram who's listened to this, and uh, I I really appreciate the following on Facebook as well. Any comments you guys have given, any and any likes, anything like that, I really I really really appreciate it. I I crave the 
criticism and feedback more than I do likes and follows. But I do acknowledge that that is a thing that you guys have, are making the choice to look at my stuff and you know watch my shit. Um, uh, I, I I think that my the things that I wanted to talk about and and, and, and the, the point and the the what this podcast is all about kind of changed like mid third episode, but I, I'm I'm really I'm I'm really looking forward to keeping this consistent and keeping the themes consistent and, and with this I'm always gonna be kind of all over the place with whatever's kind of in my world, obviously, but I'm thinking that where it is now, I think I'm keeping it pretty consistent. This is pretty good for me. So uh I once again, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, if um, if any of you are listening to this and you guys want shout outs for messages and, and likes and comments, like and follows, absolutely. Like uh, I, w- I won't do that until like I get some people that like you know would think that's a good idea. Um, I certainly don't mind giving shout outs. You know, if you want some recognition on your page or you want, especially if we've had a conversation and you and you you know kind of want to you know talk about one another and you especially if, if you do want to have share a story if you have an adventure story or if you have a story that's relevant to a topic that i've talked about already or you have some more information on something i've talked about or you know any suggestions please i'm i am so ready and open for this i don't want to i don't want this podcast to be just me rattling off shit that doesn't necessarily make sense i i really want this to be an open conversation with with you my my followers my listeners um, as well as myself, I'm really open to new information. I really crave new information, especially in something that interests me. I, I consume everything in such a prodigious rate, food, information, uh, money, any, anything I get my hands on and like I can do, I just want to do it as much as possible. And that, that burns out some things every once in a while and some hobbies I've tried, but uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep my portions down, but information is always, I'm always trying to pour more into my head. I have so many bookmarks. I have so many things lodged into my brain and I'm getting out through this podcast. So I'm, I'm open to anything and, uh, I'll argue with you. I'll discuss with you. I'd rather discuss and have a conversation than an argument, but I'll, I'll, I'll stoop down to your level every once in a while to learn something new or teach something new. I, um, I'm really open. I'm very open on both sides politically. And I know I'm rambling and not getting to the point anymore, but, uh, it's just something I really wanted to express gratitude and, and, and what I'm really about. I don't, I, f- I feel like the more honest I am about this, the, the better this I'll sound. So I just, I'm, I'm just being really honest with all of you and just recording this while I'm on my lunch break. So, um, yeah, everybody keep your eyes out for any adventures you might like, or might want to see in things. I'm, I'm very open to suggestions uh keep keep your eye out if you really like nature stuff especially that's kind of my cake right now it's the summertime that's most of the stuff that i'm gonna be posting as well um uh if there's any books or movies or anything like especially older ones i i don't i don't get to go to the movies very often nowadays so renting or watching for free my mother-in-law or if anything on netflix if there's anything on netflix i'll definitely watch it and review it um good or bad if you guys send me some crappy movies i, I will let you know that i think they're crappy but uh, maybe that'd be fun part. I'll, I'll just uh tear apart, tear the uh, rip, rip, rip a new hole on a couple of movies. But uh, I like to do that every once in a while, not to sound pretentious. But I um, you know, especially books. I'm looking to to uh go over some uh some some older books as well. Some some good canon literature, or, you know, something maybe some Cormac McCarthy. Been loving on it. Just love to get my viewpoints out there. So if anybody has anything they would like to see, absolutely. Um. And as always, please give me feedback. I'm, I'm really, that's what I'm craving the most is if I'm doing a good job, if I'm doing a horrible job, if I stink, if I, 
You know, if, if, if I'm just speaking garbage half the time, if you don't agree with something, absolutely tell me. I, I'm looking for negative as much as I am positive. So um, I know this is a really long intro, everybody, but I, I really hope that, you know, I, I got some I, I got out who I am in this. I, I really wanted you all to just hear that from me. And uh, I'm really looking forward to any sort of feedback. So uh, without anything more on my list here i'm gonna turn this over to my intellectual half and we're gonna we're, we're gonna turn this into an actual podcast and an actual topic so buckle up everybody uh keep your keep your earphones in there's gonna be a little transition and we're gonna we're gonna get the ball rolling thanks for listening everybody Alrighty, welcome back everybody. I literally got halfway into this podcast before everything fell apart, so I'm not exactly happy right now, but whatever. It's okay. I'm going to re-record this and maybe get some more points across than I did before, so I'm going to try and not lose my mind over this, but it's okay. Yeah, and I just got done doing my daily new workout. Wow, does it hurt is it just absolutely terrible to get back into shape like especially being couch potato for so long the hurt is so good right now holy crap but other than that so obviously um give me talking about death here and i really wanted to talk about my first experience with death first just kind of like set where i'm coming from this and uh but before that i asked everybody a question uh which was have you seen death have a positive aspect or effect in this world or your personal life, uh, depending if I type that up right. Um, and not necessarily that I'm going to exactly answer this question or kind of really delve deeper into that aspect. I just really kind of wanted to jog even my mind and everyone else's mind into a different aspect of death that we normally see. And I'm going to try to do that with this podcast is kind of break things up, especially if they're such common topics. But if I fail, at least it'll be a good conversation you've heard before. So, um, but with that, um, the first things with death that I've seen, well, let's start from the beginning, literally. So my very first memory would be when I was, I'm going to say three, just, just to kind of spitball it. I remember standing in the kitchen of my childhood home looking back to the to the forbidden back stairs that led to the basement and led to the outside led to the back door and i remember blinking and then changing into four and when i was four i and i'm i'm speculating these are the ages just because i can only assume that this what this is because um, but I remember making the motion to take a step and blinking. Liza, I must have been two. Now I'm three. <laughs> blinking. And then, you know, because I blinked, I changed into four. And then I remember taking a step, looking up, and then blinking again, and then turn into five, where I then was able to take step 
took a couple steps, walked to the edge of the door, and then walked straight to the bathroom, looked in the mirror, and exclaimed that I was disappointed that because I did not look cool enough. And then I went straight to my mother and asked 5,000 questions of who I was and what I've done as a person, uh, which I already knew, but somehow, for whatever reason, I need to re-remember. But the reason that I bring that up is because on the table, there was a laundry basket with a cover on it, and within that was a injured crow that our cousins had given to us. But the reason that that was there is because my mother and I were extremely big bleeding hearts we we love animals we love we love life we we do we've done our best and we've done we do our best and there's been plenty of experiences of us saving turtles saving cats saving dogs saving birds saving insects and spiders and and snakes and just about any kind of animal that we can could have gotten our hands on um or at least attempting to too because a lot of times they're, they're unsavable but uh, so this was another project of my mother's at that point. I was too young to even be concerned about it. But I remember going to bed that night thinking that everything's going to be okay in the morning, obviously like any child. But then I remember waking up and then by five o'clock that night, I remember my dad pulling me and my brother outside and essentially he had it in his hand and we essentially we watched it breathe its last breath. And I remember its eyes being closed and then opening and I exclaimed, like, oh, it's not dead yet. Yeah, just opened its eye. You know, I remember being orange, but um, this orange little eye just looking straight at me. And my dad, you know, explained no and explained why. And I remember being really shook up by that, but never really talked about it again. Um, so within the first 24 hours of my consciousness, I experienced death. And then the next time that I remember at least having something to do with it would be we used to have this Garfield looking cat named Ed um, and he had terrible flatulence and was just a, a tabby he was a he was a good cat he, he farted like a human but he had a good soul but he ended up not coming home one day and then later on I saw an orange cat that had been written, run over by a cat for, on the school bus but I don't believe it was him it looked like it was bigger than Ed was but you never know kids we, we don't have the best oh excuse me we don't have the best um, memories or recollection of life in general. But and there was that. And then moving on to later on in life, I think maybe the next year or two, uh, I remember being in the field uh, at my grade school and by the fence and for whatever, I don't remember what we were doing. I don't remember if we saw this cat ahead of time or if we were just playing, having fun by the danger zone. You know, we could get in trouble if you're by the fence. But I remember, and this this woman, she had no fault on her. There was no, there was no reason to be mad at her. There was nothing she could have done. Nothing. She never even saw the thing. But she turned this corner, and this gray cat. I'm assuming it was a bit younger. Uh, she sprinted out from some bushes. And essentially ran right into underneath the 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 car's tires. And I remember watching the entire thing. And I remember seeing the woman's face being surprised when she ran something over. But it went over the, the cat's head. And the whole body twisted and flailed out like a cartoon. And I remember it somehow sprinting back to the bush. And made it back to the bush. And so 
we cursed the woman, we flipped her off or flipped off where we last saw the car and we were screaming and crying and I remember getting over it and then I remember not not I'm not getting in trouble for this, but I remember leaving the field the next day or the day next day after that and running to the bush and I saw that we're in this bush, this cat it was such a peaceful scene, but I remember seeing her being peaceful, her head looked fine. Um but there were rib cages her rib cage was poking out of her fur and and even though it looked peaceful and I, I truly understood there was nothing that could have done for her and that she she was done. And I remember not talking about any of these things for a while before bringing them up. I think I just needed to hold on to whatever I had to say until I was confident that it was a good thing to say, you know, and didn't want to be shut down just as a child. But, um, remember that. And, you know, before that, especially when I was younger, I, uh, I always loved insects. If you listen to this podcast, you know, I love insects, you know, I love all these small aspects of life and the, the macro aspect of it. But I remember, you know, cause you split a worm in half, it's supposed to grow back, but my, my accuracy and my, my um, dexterity wasn't so good. So I used to break worms and in somewhat half and then cry because I knew they were dead. Um, and so I would throw them into the lawn, but I would be so overwhelmed with guilt that I would go and because I saw where they landed, I'd find them again and I'd carry the bodies everywhere and, and cry and, you know, keep saying sorry. And so my mom, I, I guess she must have been fed up with it. Uh, covered covered my eyes and said one two three throw and so i couldn't find it ever again so i learned a new trick that day how to how to deal with small death but you know with that and then i used to i used to cry over every snail i would see die and it's a family joke where you know um you know i i i would lament to my father that snails are beautiful creatures too you know they're such amazing animals so my four my little five-year-old self would, was 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 very sensitive to 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 insect death and maybe not everything else but uh you know as i got older obviously more of my extended family you know started passing away and um and being so young i never got so overwhelmed with it i never really cried at funerals um and especially i think the first one i remember i think it was my great-grandfather um I believe so on my mother's side and I remember there being a lot of people and more than I'd ever seen at any other funeral in my life so far. I remember that clearly, but I remember so many words of comfort and so many words of eulogy and, and all, all sorts of other things that were spoken around a coffin and, you know, at, at the, at the wake. And I remember and my six-year-old self wanting to stand up and and saying word for word that I may not have known this man, but seeing how all of you are here, I could only imagine how great of a man he was. And I remember wanting to say that really badly, and I don't know whether that's, that was just out of the mouth of babes and some angel trying to speak through me, but I, I never did that, but I told somebody about that later on made them cry but um and then as you know the first time that like a personal more intense experience of death other than animals happened to me was my mother was born with twins and the one 
died weeks early and um you know and, and then that shook me to my core as a person and you know it, it really changed the way that i saw childhood and birth and um you know and seeing the body if you've ever seen a baby casket they're absolutely heartbreaking i hope none of you have to see that um and i never got to see the body and i was so interested in that and they opened up the casket for me right before they put it in the ground <laughs> Which was terrifying and still haunts me to this day, just the, the the brutality of it. But I think it was good for me to see that and see what had happened and see what happens. And, you know, and my wife and I, um, we are, well, we're, we're, we're waiting for a little one to come to us, if, if, if you catch my drift with that. And it's been getting me to think about her and think about everything in this world and what's been happening to a lot of people. And I don't know whether it's just population is growing and the examples grow with that, 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 that 5% is a bigger 5% than the 5% back in the day of anything. I mean, obviously I'm making up statistics here, but of anything, but you know, it, it really scares me for her and for our children to see if there's, you know, anything that could go wrong. And I'm sure I'd be so terribly heartbroken and, depressed of anything that happened to either one of them and i think about that a lot and i think about her and her safety and i guess it's normal but you know i'm just i've been really concerned with it lately and uh i've been been hoping that everything goes well when the time comes but i'm i'm sure that it will and and so i'm 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 waiting on that but um uh, moving on from that um i uh I am um, with especially the newest thing that I have with my life now is hunting and obviously there's death in hunting there's violence in hunting it's without life there or without death there would be no life and with no life there would be no death obviously but and I know I, ju I just got done talking about how much of a bleeding heart I am for animals and I truly would 100% of even if the animals I'm hunting is we'll take squirrel for example um you know if i were out hunting squirrel and i saw a squirrel that was injured by any other means other than myself i would 100 percent do my best to rehabilitate it in that moment and i wouldn't take it home or anything I, I don't have the kind of capacity right now but i would absolutely 100 percent help it find a peaceful place to rest i would try to he repair a wound as much as i could i would absolutely 100 percent give it life that i could i would 100 do that i still would do that even in the middle of my hunting even i would put the gun down and everything and i mean i would pick it up and keep going on but that that's just who i am as a person and it's it's interesting to see how death is because i to, to me it's it's not taking control of a part of my life where i'm like oh i'm gonna go kill now because it gives me control of my life. No, not at all. Like what, what hunting does and taking the life of an animal and harvesting an animal, which is completely different than just killing an animal. Um, killing an animal is just running them over, not using their body respectfully. And that's that's the biggest part is that harvesting and, and hunting itself is an ethical, respectful way, at least when you do it right. So with me, it's, you know, giving, you know, taking this animal in the most, ethical and respectful way that i possibly can it's you know which includes taking its body and using it for a purpose in my life to then and for me i lately I, the only thing i can do with it is really take the meat and take that the most vital part of its entire life is the muscle and the things that it gave it emotion and and and, and its personality and, and everything like that and its connection to the world and 
consuming that for myself to nourish myself. And that sounds really weird, but that's, that's, you know, that's something that we were built for. We were built to, we were built to be connected to the world in that way. We're, we're built to consume that and consume that kind of life. And we were, you know, and, and, and tagging back my mind and my body and even my spirit into that and being so connected to nature where I'm literally a part of it, where I am taking and I am also giving back, you know, the things that I don't use from the animal that I can't use from the animal go right back into the earth and nourish and nourish and any insects and even coyotes that want to come by and dig up the, the, the organs and things that would want to eat it that, you know, it's, it's, it's giving back into them. It's it, I'm being literally just a part of nature as best I possibly can just like our ancestors used to be. And so yeah, it's interesting to see through that. And I have not taken a a larger animal yet, um, but I remember with this first squirrel that I shot, it literally was so picturesque. It was in the setting sun, late summer, early fall, September. And I remember it literally seemed like it was, it had, like it, the, the universe had chosen me to take this animal. It was so perfect. It, it faced me. It looked to the left. It, 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 it didn't see me one bit and gave me the perfect shot. And, uh, I didn't shoot in the head, but I did sever the spine and it was a very, it was the perfect quick death. And I did, I don't remember even seeing it twitching. I remember it just being so succinct, so simple. It, it, I, I had done, my job. I had done the best I could. I I had didn't done. I did done what I had intended to do, and was give it a quick and painless death. I believe it was painless altogether. And I remember hitting my knees. I don't remember buckling, but I remember being on my knees. I remember praying to to my my father in heaven, to to even the universe, and to the nature around me, and to to the animal itself, and and thanks, and just in. And I was overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude for not only my skill, but also this world and this natural existence and being connected to it. And I remember petting it. I remember holding it. I remember really reveling in its beauty of just simple organic life. And just, and, you know, even after I processed it and figured that hurdle out, and I, I remember g giving the rest of it a, a proper burial and, um, I'm sure something dug it up, but I, I remember being so enthralled that I had done this and it was so succinct and, you know, every, every one of them I, I've gotten has been just a perfect quick and succinct death. I've never wounded a, a, an animal yet. I'm, I'm dread the day that I do. I'm sure I will at some point. That's every hunter's worst nightmare, not because it's a lost animal, but because we didn't do our part. We didn't take our shot right. We didn't do anything. And so it's given me a more active aspect on death and a more a, a more consistent view on death you know being more constant being more not jaded to it or disrespectful to it but just to understand more of what is going on with it um but with that um uh we're gonna i'm gonna move on into eh, more of what i want to talk about and so with that, um, I wanted to kind of move into how does this translate into film, how, specifically film, and especially just my personal experiences. And the answer is, is it does and it 
doesn't. And so I'm going to be talking about more of the more popular films, action, horror, and romance. And it seems that only a select few of them tend to even touch on how gruesome or real it is or the reality of it. And and even then, um, maybe not so much, but... Uh, they tend to over-exaggerate certain aspects that better enhances their plot, their tone, the characters' beliefs, or anything like that, and, you know, for the story itself. And I guess, I guess that's the point, and I, I, I guess that's that, but, you know, with this life and how sheltered we are, it, it gives a weird sense. And I'm going to start out with horror movies because I don't want to go too deep into them because I think we get kind of the idea with them with death. But, it's you know, they... You know, they, they're they realistic sometimes in showing how fragile our bodies are. I mean, they really do over-exaggerate, you know, the blood, the screaming, and the look of death. And, you know, but they tend to do a really good job of showing just how susceptible we people are. Because, you know, certain movies tend to make the main characters invincible. So, when you make the villain invincible, it, it makes it makes it all the more horrifying and I guess more realistic to the aspect of actually dying violently. So, um, uh, you know, that's kind of the source of its power. It's like, we're really horrified to the extent of that exaggeration. Like I think in our minds, we can kind of understand through, you know, genetic history of our ancestors of what we've seen before, you know, our ancestors have experienced and stuff. I think as a whole, I, th- I think we kind of get what it would be like to be stabbed or see somebody get stabbed or to stab. But I think because it's so exaggerated, I think it horrifies to our core and just pulls out every aspect of that, of that pain and of that, 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 that terror and all those adrenalines and, and stuff. But, you know, it's, I mean, it means hard to say necessarily about that. We, you know, we can never really know for sure if, you know, the chainsaw would really rip our arm like off like that. I mean, obviously people have seen this stuff. And if, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I, you know, if, if, if you want to prove me wrong and say like, yeah, it's exactly like that. Okay. Go ahead and message me. I'd, I'd love to hear that. But, um, you know, and, and with, and, and, and with these horror movies, it's like the, there's other types of death that seem to get really weirded out. It's like, like the mental and spiritual health, or death, not health, sorry, death. And it's like, especially with like the mental, it's like the going insane scene. Uh, you know, with that whole, like, so a lot of times they have like that buzzing, you know, sound, the shaking of the head all crazy like that. And I mean, I've never gone crazy. I don't really know anybody that like has gone through anything like that. And so obviously that could be how it is. But I think that, keeping within the confines of the story of the movie and keeping with the confines of the ability of storytellers to te- or of these filmmakers to tell the story, I think it does a good enough job of saying like, Oh yeah, here, here's how it should be. And then here, how it is. And you know, and it's, uh, I don't know how realistic it is, but I think a lot of times it does get over exaggerated and maybe in just the sense that the music's there in general and not just, or, or not there depending on the movie, you know, and it's, you know, it, it, it's really interesting to think about that. And then it's like the other thing, and I despise demonic possession movies. I cannot stand it whatsoever. The only one that has anything to do with that kind of movie that I liked was, I think it was called Devil. It was the one with the old woman in the, the elevator. That That was a completely different story. But the thing is, is that 
going with, and I'm going to be talking about The Conjuring, and I've watched, I've watched The Omen, I've watched The Conjuring, okay, I've seen the two, two of the biggest ones, like, I get the picture, I, I can feel what they're about, I know every movie's different, but they're getting worse and worse, and, I mean, unless you're a horror buff, like, to the, to this extent, and you're thinking every new movie's the best, like, I don't, I don't believe you, you can find me all you want on that, but, specifically within The Conjuring, because of what, since I am a spiritual person, I am a religious person, and, you know, through everything that I've learned, everything that I've heard, everything that I've listened to, and everything that I've read, everything that I've prayed about, like, things of The Conjuring, like, they're, it's so unrealistic. The whole being taken over, and I'm sure people have seen things or experienced things, but hear me out on this, you know, it, I, it's so hard to say, but the whole aspect of being possessed violently and violently taken over your life from purely just living in a home, living somewhere is total bullshit. Like it. Okay. So the whole, like, you know, the whole mother in the conjuring being taken over so violently and groped and, and broken down physically so that she could be taken over that. It, sorry. It would never happen like that. Um, especially because it's my belief because Satan and because his followers and demons, they do not possess a physical body. Yes, they can. They, they, they do appear to us and they do come into this life and they can affect other things. But when it comes to our body and our spirits, Heavenly Father has given us power over that. It's the whole point is the whole reason that we can exist and fight the devil and, and pray and think that there's no possible they they can scare us absolutely 100 percent and they can do certain things but for such an action like that you have to invite it there is no possible way there, if there was everybody would have been possessed at this point and nobody at least if you're thinking from a spiritual aspect nobody would be on the right path nobody we would all be taken over by satan long time ago you know, the way the Heavenly Father works through delegation of people, whereas Satan tries to directly influence everybody, like, we, we would have been taken over a long time ago. Like, if you think about it that way, and, and everything that I've read and prayed about and the faith that I have and the faith that I follow, like, it, it, just, it just shows that, like, no, there's no way. that, that The mother must have been doing something with children or doing something secretly in the basement or praying or must have had some sort of something or other to do with it. There's no way that a good, honest person... Even a decent, honest, honest person can be possessed without their permission. Like in the beginning, they the with, with the animal doll in that movie, like they gave it permission to stay. They gave it permission to possess this doll. Like, duh, you have to give the things permission. That's the only way that it can do its job. Um, sorry to get all spiritual on you, but like it, it, it just goes to show that these horror movies they exaggerate things and they're terrifying. And not to say that I'm not terrified of these movies. I absolutely hate them. I hate the spirit that it brings in my home. I hate. I mean, I'm terrified. I mean, at first, I'm kind of like, funny. I mean, with the faith that I have, like, no, not this. But it's absolutely scary to think that anything could take over you, overpower you. Like, it, especially spiritually, where it's down to the core of who you are. Like, damn. Damn, Gina. Like, <laughs> back off. Damn it, Gina. Get, get away from me. But, you know, that's all I really got to say about horror movies. It's just, like, they, they really exaggerate. So, like, they, 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 they give you a better sense of how fragile we are, but yet... Uh, uh, like they don't really necessarily do it in the most realistic ways, which is okay. That's that's the part of the fun. I'm not trying to say any of this is because like movies are terrible because they're not realistic. I'm just talking about how 
they represent death in general. Um, I'm going to move on to action movies now. And so, like, they have, action movies have had a long, 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 long history of using death in weird and off-skew ways. Um, excuse me, sorry. You know, whether the movie's PG, whether the movie's PG-13, these ratings they give, and they force filmmakers into these constraints, they, they, um, they, they, they put different restrictions on depending upon that rating, um, you know, because like a good example would be Lord of the Rings to Die Hard, and Lord of the Rings, you know, they could show decapitations and delimbing and stabbings and and things like that and other terrible things, you know, because you know whereas they couldn't really dive deeper into them, they couldn't show more intestines or more more insidious ways of of killing at least on screen. You know, it, it, and that's that's a very PG thirteen movie. You know, and you, you get the sense of the story, but like you don't like, but like that that part of death is you know is kind of held back. But like whereas Die Hard, they could be a little bit more graphic with every death, like the under the table scene where he shoots up through the the table and lights them up with body or with bullets, and even you know Gruber falling to his death. That's still a really horrific thing. And I mean, you could see that in in lower ratings, but. And or even the dude coming back at the end, and you know it's uh, you know it's it's, it's interesting that, that you know, and it doesn't. I don't know if it necessarily makes it more realistic to have an R-rated movie portrayal of the death, but I think it gives it the opportunity to. I, I think that just like with horror, like they over exaggerate things. I think that you know things can be under exaggerated, over exaggerated, no matter what rating it is. But I think with R-rated movies, it gives it more of the ability to do it. And I think it's the tone and the setting that really breaks that up. But um, I think I think one of the best movies, uh, especially as a civilian person, to give somebody an experience of of graphic and uh and real hardcore experience of death and, and gore and stuff would have to be Saving Private Ryan. I haven't seen many other graphic horror war movies um, other than this one. And it's like from the very beginning, you see real grief. You see the mother. You see even the 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 soldiers and men that come to her and experience this. And you see everybody experience their own grief throughout things. And it's... If anybody, if you haven't seen it, essentially it's, you know, from D-Day on, it's a World War II movie, from D-Day on, this this uh, small troop of soldiers is given the uh, the the task to go find say, or Private Ryan, whose other brothers have died, and the U.S. Army wants to return him home to their single mother so that she, they, so she can have support, and they essentially didn't want to be responsible for wiping out an entire family, um, rightly so. But um, through it, 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 it does a really, really good job of showing just how brutal death is from the be- very beginning. It uh, sets the, oh, the, the, the tone with, real, I, I believe, kind of at least realistic battlefield carnage, especially to the day. Um, obviously, I have no idea. So don't like, if, uh, you know, don't come at me with that. You know, it's like it's all the gore. It's like from the very beginning, you know, the medics putting the intestines back in the body, you know, all of the gunshots and things like that. You know, I had never been, I mean, obviously some things might've been cut out because they just possibly couldn't happen with uh, fake bodies and makeup and special effects and stuff. And I wouldn't know that, but 
you know, I've never been so deeply impacted by a representation of death in my entire life. It really shook me in my core for a long time. I've been meaning to watch it again, but I don't know if I have the strength to. Um, it's, you know, and I, th- I think I think also why I really think it's one of the best examples is because it also shows the emotional and the mental and even maybe the spiritual, depending on how you look at it, death or aspects of of death. Um, even in wartime, from uh, when the one soldier, the one when the medic of their team, you know, after he just talked about his mother and how he wasted time with her and got shot and all he was calling out was for her and and then um, you know after they had pushed back the Germans the the one kid he found a uh, uh, Hitler youth knife and you know he was like oh it's a trophy you know and then he immediately started grieving over his own childhood or however you want to look at that you know it really showed how you know it coupled with this horrific uh, at least compared to our civilian life this over exaggeration of death I mean obviously it's very realistic but you know, to our lives, you know, and it it showed how those things juxtaposed one 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 another, and you know, it it was it gives you a whole new perspective. And I, I've never served. I'm not, I'm probably not gonna serve unless they enact a draft where I'll serve happily. I'll 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 be there on the front lines as much as I can. But I do have family. I have two uncles that were in the service. My my uncle was in the Green Beret, and my other uncle was in the Navy, and so. Uh, I, I, I've had a deep respect for veterans and, and wartime and, and things like that for a very long time. And if you're listening to this, you know who you are and I love you and thank you so much for everything you've done. And I, I respect you. Um, but with that and moving along from that, the thing that has confused me, especially within movies is headshots. Like we're very obsessed with headshots in this culture, especially since it's call of duty and all these other games. It's, Obviously, it's symbolic. It's the most succinct way to end somebody by ripping away their 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 mental state from their body. Like obviously, it's very it's very powerful. It's very terrifying. It's very it's very enrapturous. We're very enraptured with it. Um, we um. So, but like, and obviously, this is a disclaimer. So, anybody who's into guns and who knows anything, and obviously, if anybody's ever seen this, you'll know more than I do. And obviously, each different type of gun or weapon will have a different effect on it. You know, obviously, you know, seeing a movie where somebody's head explodes might be, you know, obviously different from somebody else's this and that. But it's like, it seems like even from one rating, rated movie or one type of movie to another, they never get the consistency right. And maybe that's because of budget. Maybe that's because of... Um, uh, just personal choice. Uh, I don't know. I And I'll probably never know. Um, you know, whereas you know, even sometimes they're just holes lodged into the skull. Like, obviously, like, not every movie can have the most realistic aspect. But the only reason I'm bringing this up, and maybe all of those are realistic, depending on which weapon they use. And the only reason I'm really bringing this up is that in this like sheltered society that we live in where most of us aren't seeing people get headshot and like i'm sorry for anybody who has like that must be horrifying and terrible and if you've done it yourself uh, uh that's not a good thing unless you're protecting somebody so um obviously you know more than about this than i do but i think that because of how symbolic it is i think we're so raptured with it because of just that that 
simplicity of just it's like, oh yeah, you know what, this is one and done. You know, you don't have to, sh- you know, shoot him three other times in the chest and make- bring him down. It's like one and done. And and I think that you know that scares us a little bit. And I think that with that, I, th- I think it shows kind of just like how hard it is to really to really show reality of death in movies, especially action movies. I, th- I think that's a, the perfect example to be like, you know what, like we get the point, but also like, do we, you know, and that's just something that I've been thinking about. Um, you know, I, I think on top of that, it's, uh, you know, these action movies, we they tend, they tend to glorify and mystify death, you know, unless it's the main characters. And, and with that, like in Lord, even with Lord of the Rings, um, you know all the creatures that they kill, and all the the they all they're all sentient. They all have expressions, and they all have emotions and and thoughts. And or unless they don't, they're just vicious evil. But I think that's the point, though. They make we always make the villains or the the things you know the mercenaries that are coming for our lives. We always make it seem like it's like you know we kill them or they kill us, and it makes things simpler until one of the 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 main characters, the heroes, die, and then we're impacted emotionally and mentally by it. And, um, obviously, especially within wartime, that's how it is. That's how you have to do it. You can't care about anybody else. You have to be about your people. But I think within this culture, I think we have a tendency to translate that into our real lives and not be able to really differentiate the aspects, you know, in, in Saving Private Ryan, they do that kind of well a little bit where it's like, you know, the, the, the Germans have lives themselves, but because of wartime, it forces them into certain things. And, and that's the reality of it. But in other movies, it's like, well, you know, like they can kill people, you know, with kind of impunity sometimes. A lot of times it's like they never face responsibilities for these things. And we never see that re- aspect of life or, a, or of death that's on both sides. I mean, sometimes we do, you know, if, if we're but only if we're shown the the consequences on the life of the other characters, like the villains, if we see their families grieving or anything like that, then we'll then we'll end up finding it. <laughs> um, sorry, I didn't mean to chuckle. I'm just laughing at something to myself. But, um, you know, obviously there's exceptions to this. Like, there's always exceptions. But I, I think with action movies, that's, you know, kind of... they they, they t- I think that's why, you know, we, we watch them so much because they do glorify it. And I think because we do find that enthralling that, you know, there's parts of us that, you know, wish we could, you know, kind of be like that. It makes seems, things seem heroic and a triumph to stand up for what's right with such impunity. And, you know, and, and that's, that's part of us. We, we have violence built into us as humans. We have to, that's, that's how we survive. Sometimes we used to survive. Um, but yeah, with, with, with that, that's, those are my thoughts on action movies. Now with romance slash drama and not just chick flicks. So like, it's not just like uh PS, I love you or, Anything like that, even with more dramatic movies, um, like uh, the only example I can think of is Nor or Ordinary People, or even Death of a Salesman. You can think of those because I mean those are I mean both books and plays and as well as movies, but or maybe not plays, but like the ones a play and ones a book, but they both made into movies. Um, you know, it's like you're not usually gonna watch anybody be brutally murdered or violently killed, but or anything like that. I mean, you might, you, you, we obviously see people die, you know, read their last breath, but it, it's ugh, the, the, the thing with that is it's like most of these movies, it's like usually talking about what happens in our normal lives about death and, and, uh, and what happens after 
you know, in action movies, it's just kind of like, like, oh, yeah, you know, he died, but, you know, we had this small ceremony, but we live with it for later on, at least sometimes. Um, but with this, it's kind of like, you know, all those emotions and all those moments of pain and suffering um, from experiencing somebody leaving this life and leaving you behind. Um, it's, uh, you know, they, they tend to delve on that more. And they, some do a really good job of showing those raw emotions and, you know, and, and, and the things that happen during that, like with Goodwill Hunting, like way on later on from uh, Robin Williams' wife dying and, you know, uh, Matt Damon's character, Goodwill or Will Hunting, he, uh, you know, mocking the painting and, you know, you see that anger and everything and, and, and that that emotion in there you, you see that in that drama um bled out in into it in, in a very realistic very real way uh this you know it might be the best genre to represent how you know this happens in our daily lives and you know, it affects in our common lives especially like that because it seems to be like a real real example especially with that Google hunting reference um it kind of pulls it out of fiction and media and it's like it it, it brings it into more reality i mean sometimes i mean like there's things like the time traveler time traveler's wife where it's kind of like this whole trippy like roundabouty way and like this long exaggerated drawn out aspect of death but i think even the more symbolic moments sometimes really do a much better job and obviously this is more delving with normal death with succinct death or even violent death but you know how we're affected by it um I think that's another reason why they're so popular as well is because they are the more realistic on the aspect of on that aspect on that realistic aspect of our minds and our bodies and you know a lot of them do get religious or have a lot of religious uh symbolism in in them which is which is okay because you know uh that's how a lot of people grieve and that's okay that's a that's how a lot of people think and that's you know you know that's how I think you know if if you're not religious you know it still gives you the aspect of how to deal with it I think I think religion, if you believe that it's just purely a coping mechanism or not, I think regardless, even if if it is or not, I think it does give that. I think it gives a succinct thing. Like with, with my religion, we believe that truly that families will be together forever, that truly 100%, not just because, you know, we move on to the next life and we're connected, but I believe that we, we believe that we truly do get sealed to one another as a family as a family unit and um we uh we believe that we go on to the next life and that we we truly will see in the that 100 percent that this that that is the the next step is that we will be united together as a family and that that has helped me and that has helped the thousands and millions of people to be at peace with loved one's death and it's something that we go into more focus on than other religions do that i've seen so far and so you know it, it, it kind of delves into things like that sometimes um sorry to get religious again um you know and you know there, there's so many examples where jake flicks are kind of like just kind of fluffy about death you know kind of over dramatic as well you know they, they i i mean it's kind of obvious but I, th I think if you're gonna look at death in movies you know look at the most realistic aspect i think you would have to go with these romance and drama movies i believe that they go into 
the deepest detail because they can because you know because uh they're kind of the representation of the oldest forms of storytelling where you know it's purely just through dialogue we used to just tell people we used to do it by word of mouth and that's how we console people a lot of times too we can only tell them like with horror movies and with action movies we now have a visual medium of the storytelling where we can actually see this death happening and see these see these examples and and see and see and, and then have the opportunity to kind of mess it up kind of twist and, and confuse it um, whereas with romance and drama, I think it's harder to really mess it up. Even if you're going to go more basic and go more fluffy and cliche, it's still harder to truly mess up what death is like. And for people, um, uh, I mean, obviously I could probably be proven real wrong by the next movie I watch, but e even the most cheesy and the most cliche and kind of the worst ones, they still, you can still gather what's going on because it's so relatable. Um, see, now I'm going to, pull out of this fiction and media thing now and the only reason i really brought up movies in the first place or i brought them up first is because really unrealistic or not movie and movie trends do a pretty good job of representing how we as a society view everything um as a as, as a majority not specifics like everyone talks about them and most of us watch them um you know, I think, at least with this example, I mean, because obviously that can bleed in anything, other social aspects, you know, how we view black people, how we view minorities, how we view politics, all these things, you know, those get bled in pretty well. But I think with this topic specifically, I think we can see how much we take for granted slash we're enraptured with death, violent or not. You know, we live, so therefore we die. We see how people struggle with it. Because without that drive to live, how would how, how would how, how would um you know a, a sword through the chest really affect us seeing that, or how would we you know see any horror and find it scary, or any action and find it you know adrenaline pumping where you know somebody nearly gets choked out, you know how would we fight or crawl or you know, or how would we watch, you know, people crawling over snow-covered mountains without food for days and even remotely entertaining if we didn't have this drive to live, if we didn't have this succinct will to live. Um, you know, we visualize our personal drives into... In, in, through these movies, like, we literally visualize us in that situation a lot of times. We literally watch this person and be like, you know what, like, oh, I would do the same thing. Or else, like, oh, like, what would I do in the situation? We visualize that into the movies to kind of process our fears about it. You know, our fears about death, how we see death. We're not, I mean, we're not really concerned with 100% dying in that moment, but we're afraid of it. We think about it. We It's on our minds. You know, because we cherish life we like we cherish life so much so therefore when death comes around that ends life we're terrified of it there you know it's it's this whole yin and yang thing you know it's it's like without life there is no death without sadness there is no happiness like legitimately because we cherish life and we love this life and we love living because it's what we're built to do death can be terrifying and and absolutely horrifying to us um and it's like, no matter how uncomfortable we become with something, we 
push against it. That's like that's part of that cherishing life thing. It's like I've I've been in situations. You've heard my stories already uh, about being under such strain or straining duress and or duress, sorry, straining difficulty and and pushing myself for days on end. And like I, if I didn't have this will to live, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have gone backpacking for three days as a twelve year old. Are you serious? Without a purpose other than purely being in the woods in nature, like I wouldn't appreciate that one bit. I would be home playing Zelda until like grew five hundred pounds and died peacefully. But you know, and some people's drives against death are are different than others. But being put into stressful situations, whether you choose it or not, I'm not trying to like accuse anybody who does, you know, just play Zelda and then, you know, moves on with their life. Like that's a bad thing. Like if that's the way that you've pushed through your life, absolutely, one hundred percent fine. Um, it might not have been the best life, but you know, it was yours. You did what you wanted to do with it. You use your drive because we all have that drive. That's what I'm just trying to get here. Um, you know, I myself really don't think about my personal death altogether that much i i mean i do but it's like it's a combination of like i'm being engaged in this youthful approach to opportunities i have these youthful opportunities where i i'm just starting out my life i'm just finding my way through this life in adulthood you know like I'm an adult, like I like I'm not a baby. I oh, that is the one thing I despise about people nowadays, where it's like they they see how young I am. I'm not gonna say it now. Like how young I'm, and like oh, you're just a baby. Like excuse me. Like you could have said that at 17 or 18 when I'm like you know just doing things. But like I've been out on my own for long enough. I'm paying taxes. I'm paying bills. I'm changing the world around me. Like after you reach the age of maybe like 18 or 19, like. You shouldn't call anybody a baby unless they're acting like it. Obviously, if you're acting like hey, you're just a baby, like, you know, maybe like, you know, like the, you know, or see somebody just like wasting your life away in alcohol and drugs and stuff like, yeah, that's, you know, like just like they did in high school. It's like, mm, yeah, maybe. But like for somebody like me, who's like, I'm married, I'm, I have a sustainable job. Like it, it just, it irks me so much. It always has. But like now it's like, hey, you know, like I'm doing the same thing that you are 65 year old man back off. Um, <laughs> Sorry. God real huge tangent there but um you know it's all you know it's that being enraptured in these youthful opportunities and it's also kind of all those experiences of me growing up with death from the first 24 hours of my exist mental existence and then it's also like you know how i'm you know we've been taught about death in my church like there's the whole families will be together forever um but it's also through just everything that we've learned how we do move on and we do have a purpose after. Um, if anybody's interested, because I, I do belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am a Mormon, so to speak. Um, that's that's what you know. If anybody is really interested, truly interested, and not just trying to bash me or say, you know, you're going to hell because this, this, and that, like, back off. Like, don't don't say that. But if anybody's truly interested message me i'll i'll tell you more i'll even make a podcast if enough people are interested i'll make a podcast on it i like i'm not ashamed and there is huge missionary efforts in in our church but i'm not going to do that yet until i know people are going to be responsive responsive to it i'm not that i'm being private with it but i i will if you are having a question i will answer your questions online i i will send you to places where you can learn i do want to share it and i'll share it in little bits like this podcast here but i don't want to I, I really don't I don't I want to bring it up around things as as opposed like I I, I want to know that 
this place is, is going to receive it well because that's not really the point of this podcast. That'll that'll be a special one. Um, I mean, but we're taught through um, through this church that death is only is truly just the next step. We 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 had a purpose before we came to this earth, and we have a purpose after. And this this earth is really uh, uh, the battlegrounds, the testing grounds of our true character, our true nature, and and learning how to persevere, to move to the next step, and to continue the plan of existence. Uh, this is not the end, and not so much. And we're not. It's not so much that we're just going to go on to heaven and you know have halos and harps and stuff. That there is still more work to do, and it's more benevolent work for our for our neighbors and one another and our families. And it's a truly exciting prospect to think about moving on into the next life um and then also on top of that just i've had pivotal conversations with friends and family about death and about how things have worked out and how you know they view death and and i've just i've just found death to not be as uh, as terrifying a concept um well at least not when it comes to growing old and dying peacefully um to me um i uh like i'm i i love getting older ever since i was five years old i wanted to get older like i believe that like i'll be at my highest self you know when i'm uh when i'm holding cray you know it's I, I just because I crave that mental wisdom and and more of it too is the like people accepting that you do know what you're talking about somewhat somewhat obviously everyone can discredit you for any other reasons but like so far I've had really good conversations with people or I've have brought up really good points but because I'm so young they're just like oh he's just younger what do you know and it's like well and then the guy over steals my comment and it's like oh that makes so much sense it's like hold on buddy really or people just look at me different or they're surprised and i'm saying things that i'm saying now like having such a mature aspect on it like i'm i'm very excited to grow old my wife is not she and it's okay it's normal like i'm not normal with this okay i'm not making fun of anybody but my wife we talk about you know how she doesn't want to get old all the time just because she doesn't want to live you know give up this life she she loves her youth and not in a vain way at all. She's not vain whatsoever. She's a wonderful woman, and she loves, 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 loves this life. She just doesn't want to give it up. She's very passionate. Instead of Italian in her, but um, to me, like, I mean, obviously, if someone were to point a gun at my head, or to put a knife to my throat, or push me off a cliff, I'd be terrified. Like I, like, you know, I wouldn't. I don't want to give up my life, especially in a violent way. Like I'd be honored if uh, I were to stand up for somebody and get shot for it. Absolutely, my typical man self. Or if you know, I died fighting a bear or even a deer. Like anything. Like I'm, like I would be like my spirit would be okay with that. But everything else, I'd be I'd be shitting my pants. Like I'd be absolutely like doing my best to continue to live, even after being injured. Like I don't give up easily on things. Um. But when it's discussing as like a definite thing where it's where it's going to happen, there is no way that we're not going to die. Like, like I do want to die of old age because I want all this life to be, you know, there. You know, I do want to get injured and get some scars on my face, you know, a couple of things. So I like really look badass. But <laughs> but I am. Um, ah, shoot, sorry, but the thing, but it's like, I'm not, 
I'm not afraid of it personally. I, I, I don't relish that I'm going to die someday, but like I really am going to enjoy when I don't have to suffer on this earth anymore. Like it's going to be nice, but you know, uh, that, that, that's about me. Like I, I, that's my personal aspect on growing old and dying. Um, but we, we throw our fears into the world around us as well. Like we, we look at all life as precious, you know, and then this is a good thing. We really, we look at life and we see it in other creatures and other animals and even insects. And we're we're like, Oh, I want this to go on. They must feel. And they do to an extent that they feel the same drive for life that we do. You know, well, they do No, not even like they 100% have the same drive to live as we do. 100% 100% and you know and especially in this violent de- violence deprived society quote unquote um any death in the natural world deeply affects us more than it used to you know you know like with hunting you know how we see how we how we see how for the majority in the media we see um death and hunting being this horrific experience and and you know hating it 100% they must be horrible evil people or uh you know you know but then also roadkill we look at it and i i can't help but almost cry every time i see some creature freshly roadkilled uh you know, I it, it breaks my heart to see this urban landscape taking over the natural world. And I know a lot of people feel the same way I do, you know, and people intentionally hit animals. And that's a terrible personality aspect, even though it might not be terrible people that have done it. But if you're personally purposely going to hit an animal, like you better damn well go eat the thing like you better harvest it. Like, don't be a douche. Um, you know, it's, you know, media is so terrible nowadays i mean it there's so much information out there but hardly any of it's correct hardly any of it's unbiased i've found so many good things that have just been factual i mean obviously they're biased because you know they're dealing with hobbies that have been politicized but i cannot i cannot describe how disappointed i am in people of just how of how tabloid we are with everything that we do from fox news to cnn to Everything is just so horrifically, horrifically biased to the point where we cloud the truth in so many instances. I wish there was a way to overcome bias in this world, but we can't. We have to have bias to get attention to things. But the way that deals with death, especially with hunting and roadkill, it's just like, you know, it, it spreads that around. And it's like, you know, with, with animals, like, they they have the same drive in life, for life, to live. But they see death differently. They see it every day in every way, constantly. They're, and they're constantly afraid of it, too. They're seeing... I, I know for a fact that every deer that survives a season has seen more death than, like, personally, and violent death than, than um, most of us ever will. Um, you know, they, they, they see death in a different aspect. Like, they, they don't... They, they might grieve, and they might feel for one another but even with their own death they have a different aspect than humans do like they know how to when to kind of give in you see that in the way of how cats and dogs even when they're about to die they want to go die alone they want to die in peace they don't want to overburden anything because they want to go to a place i i guess just naturally they want to go to a place where they feel comfortable i think in those places i think that's where their bodies will best nourish the world I i think that's designed that way um, but 
you know, and, and when they do get injured, you know, they, they have a better understanding and it does not trouble them as much to see other death, obviously, because they enacted themselves too with predators and stuff. But yeah, they're the real murderers. Let me tell you, mountain lions, they kill for fun sometimes, but that's, yeah, sorry. Tangent, tangent. Don't want to go on a tangent. Um, still love them though. They're, they're my favorite animal, actually. Uh, pumas, mountain lions, cougars, are, they're my favorite, just, just to be clear. But it's interesting to me. It's like, for the most part, why is it that we view like these charismatic animals to be so pure and succinct and or not succinct, but so pure and innocent and you know, whereas I mean even 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 if like they do these horrible things, like, oh it's just the animal's way and you know, killing them is, is horrible, but whereas, you know, the second we see a spider, we're like, kill it with fire, die, beast. Like we, we, we view insects as such inferior things. I mean, obviously they kind of are. They don't have the mental capacity that any other animal do, but they still have that same will to live. They still have the same will to drive. It's it's so interesting that insects do. You know, but then also with trees, we feel the same way. Whereas trees, they literally don't move. Like they grow and they live and they, they have a spirit to them, but like they don't move. They don't have any obvious things. So like why do we see cutting down a tree and so horrible versus killing an insect like it, it's just interesting that these little contradictions that we have i don't really have an answer to that too either i i personally i mean i personally myself i feel for insects i've saved i've tried to save bees i've tried to save spiders i've tried to save insects i've gone outside and been enthralled with them i have a collection you all you, anybody who's looking at my thing you, you've seen it i i'm enthralled with these animals you know i kill them because like i've killed them but like i try to save as many as possible it, it saddens me sometimes to kill some of those evil, nasty centipedes. You know, it breaks my heart. It's also just me being really grossed out by the crunch. But that's moving on. Um, you know, and, and there's something else that I've been really just thinking about. It's kind of like, you know, like why old? I'm gonna kind of talk about old people here. Like, I'm sorry, old people, if you're offended by this, but it's like. You know, it's kind of like if, the more we grow towards death, it kind of make that's what's making us wiser. Um, you know, it's it's not just experience, you know, and like no offense anybody, but there are some people, old people, that are dumber and bricks and crueler and shit. Like it's there are just absolutely terrible people. My wife, uh, don't I, I, I'm not afraid of him being exposed because the only name I know of him is Harold, but she works at a Rite Aid right across the street from an old folks home. And there's this 90 year old man that comes in. His beard is yellow from smoke and he wears sunglasses all times of the day. And he comes in and he is just a total dick. He's a douchebag. He's 90 years old. He's alone. He has no friends. Nobody likes him. Not even the police do. Like, he just comes in. He starts pointing at my wife and then asking for the manager for no damn good reason. And he comes in every day and mumble, 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 mumbles. And he knows he should speak up. You know, and he tries to be communicative, but he just, like, I don't know his real story either, but he, for the most part, he's a dick. I mean, obviously, there might be things that we don't know about him, but he's he's a dick. You know, and but not all old people are like that. You know, everybody's different. Everybody is different. And, you know, there was this thought that I had, especially, you know, I like because some people, even old people, they, they're still terrified of death. They don't move into it. They don't move on to it. You know, they 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 they're terrified of it just like anybody else would be. But I was wondering and thinking that maybe, you know, with some people, some some people, when they re reach their elderly ages, you know, and they start really moving into those final stages of life, you know, maybe because they are so like good with death and it's it's not such a thing is like and they, and they have such interesting aspects on it is because they're truly starting to see 
everybody in their life, they've already seen their everybody in their older older in their life pass on, and now they're seeing people their own age and their friends. They they're starting to pass along. They're starting to, to move, you know, give up the ghost, you know, and maybe that helps make the reality set in. You know, how much of this, you know, I, and that's that's something I've been thinking about. That's kind of like a policy that I had. You know, it, it's just like why, you know, is, is that. Is that part of it? Is seeing everybody pass on in your life around you and seeing life go on, seeing, you know, find, you know, helps you find your 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 position in this world and seeing how you, you know, how how it is moving on. And this sounds really horrible and awful, but you know, maybe you know, you know, and, and maybe 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 that's a more obvious point, but that's something that's confusing me lately. It's you know maybe. You know, seeing your best friend Gerald, you know, pass on peacefully and asleep, you know, and then seeing, you know, Jenny from high school moving on, you're really starting to catch the reality. Because, I mean, you can see, you, you understand that older people die, you know, pass on. You've seen your grandparents, you've seen your parents pass on, you've seen other people's parents pass on. But it's like when it's like people that, like, are your age and you've had conversations with and then the next day they're gone, maybe that really is one of the biggest driving points. And maybe that's uh, either way, driving point of accepting death or not accepting it and wanting to be immortal forever. Um. You know, and also how much of this natural apprehension to death bleeds into our media, like health and fitness and beauty. You know, we all want to be beautiful, which changes how we, you know, see working out, you know, fitness and being fit, you know, which also asks us to be healthy. You know, it, it's all kind of like connected, you know, like, you know, if if you want to be beautiful, you have to be fit. And if you want to be fit, you have to be healthy. If you want to be healthy, you have to be fit. And therefore, if you're fit, you're beautiful. You know, we, we kind of see things in this way in this media, you know, especially with those three topics. You know, they all bleed in together, obviously, but they're also very separate on their own. Um, You know, when do we see aging more as a testament to the life that we've led? Versus being focused on how our life is ending, you know, do we ever, do do we ever, do we ever really think that way? Do we ever look at, look at wrinkles and age and getting fat because, you know, our bodies can't process food as good anymore? Do we ever see that be like, you know what, this guy, he lived his life, he now has his beer gut and he's a proud token of all the things that he experienced. Or this woman, she has these sweet laughing lines and these crow's feet on her face from all the times that she smiled and encouraged her children. Or encourage her husband. You know, I don't mean to seem sexist with this, but also, you know, how many times she laughed with her friends and encouraged her friends and encouraged herself? How many times have people encouraged her to be the best that she can in her career and things like that? Please don't. Wow. Save myself. Woof. Social justice warriors take that. <laughs> I can be I can be open. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um uh, you know, and do do we ever, ever look at it like that? Or do we ever see like, oh, I'm wrinkly and I'm old and I'm ugly? Like, no, not at all. Like, some of the hottest people that I've known have been well into their 50s. And I don't know if you know who you are, but you're killing the game, girl. Like, please. Um, You know, there's a reason there's a silver fox and women age like fine wine. You know, we, we get so distraught over these things. And I really hope that we really do start to look at life like these are testaments like these scars you know even wrinkles could be seen like as like battle scars of this life led um you know and and i personally have like looked at getting older and then negative light because i haven't been accountable for making my existence what it, i want it to be um i mean otherwise I, I, I like i said i relish in getting older you know 
Um, I still think I'll look at my best when I'm a silver fox, but you know, and I mean, this might be a more common thing as well. Maybe, maybe this is all these unresolved, you know, does all the unresolved aspirations have the bigger part of this overarching uh, consensus of the theme of death and how negative it can be? Um, or is it really only in solar situations like in death of a salesman where, you know, he, he lied his whole life about how great his life was and he never accepted that he was just a lowly salesman, not a very good one at that and couldn't ever make rent and that his sons were terrible people, or at least they weren't as the heroic are don't are, are uh, God gods that they, he thought they were, you know, and he killed himself over that. He couldn't, he couldn't deal with that. You know, is that, is that more of a, per, a specific example or is that more commonplace than I think, you know, like with me, like, me not being as driven to do things or me not taking responsibility for things that I have not done. You know, that's the only reason I look at life where you're like, oh, I wish I, you know, I wish I was younger. I still wish I had that opportunity. That's the only reason that I think of death in that way, you know, and that's something to think about. You know, that's, you know, what, what, what really does cause this negative aspect or negative con consciousness towards death? Um, you know, I'm going to, you know, and, and these are my concluding thoughts here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to move into my concluding thought. I'm going to start wrapping this up. Um, I'm actually going to take a break real quick. I got to, I, I, I got to get a drink and something to eat really quick. So I'm going to put another transition here and then I'm going to move in my, my closing thoughts. I'm sorry, everybody. Sorry, everybody. I, I I'm back now. I'm good. Sorry from recording that first half to uh now talking all this much i've talked twice as long as you guys are listening to me so i'm, I'm just having really have to take care of myself um my concluding thoughts here is like death is ever present and it's inescapable no matter how you shelter yourself you will see death you know you're gonna see dead leaves you're gonna see dead bugs even dead grass you're gonna see death you know um but that doesn't mean that it's bad in every instance you know uh there was a comment on the only uh, there was a comment on my instagram post of saying how you know you know their viewpoint on death is like it, it was the only the not the only but like the the positive aspect on life that death had is when you know something is suffering when you know light there is no more life to be had and you know death would be an escape to something and that that's that's a real aspect of that you know there, there's many more to that you know, there's more positive aspects of death. You know, death sustains other life. The exchange of energy is what constitutes life. You know, the consumption of life. We have to consume life. Everything that we eat had has touched a living thing at one point, whether it's plant, whether it's vegan, whether it's kosher, whatever the hell it is. It reflects down. And no, not reflects. It reaches down to infinitesimal levels in the very makeup of our world. This can this change of energy in our cells, there's inner being, there's energy being inter interchanged, paramecium feed on something else. The very building blocks of ecosystems are built on the transfer of energy. We're, we learn this, we know this, we feel it. We literally feel the change of energy when we eat, when we consume, and when we hit the sun. You know, that being said, we have to choose to separate as much as possible from it in our immediate existences you know we 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 no not we we don't have to we have chosen to remove separate ourselves as much as possible 
in our immediate existences. Sorry, I was I was stuttering that really bad. Um, you know, rightly so. You know, war and murder and territorial killing isn't necessary for humans anymore. We're, we're not. We don't need to go Conan the Barbarian on one another anymore. You know, we don't have to like see each other and be like, oh, I gotta kill him so I get his food, or he's gonna kill me because just just because we saw each other. Um, but we've taken it to a point where childlike sensitivity has clouded huge swaths of people. There's so many of us, especially in this country, where we are we're so sensitive to death and we're so against it and you know ab- ab- abhorred by it but yet even even though in the media though it's 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 grown even more accepted though it's it's weird it's this weird conundrum and this weird contradiction where like in the media especially video games and movies it's ever more popular death is so so popular it's such a staple now we we have such violent deaths exposed in our in our things since you know i believe that we're you know we're now we're now uh we we now no longer get as much adrenaline and terror and emotional release like all those things release emotions we no longer get those things as often or as much as we should you know and so and we're not going to we're not going to go visibly go into places where people get shot we're not we're not going to physically go into more stressful situations we're going to put ourselves into simulations for the most part like me like i'll go into backcountry i'll get that natural thrill of adventure and maybe if i'll see a bear or something like i'll get that kind of terror that's you know our bodies are built for you know personally but not everybody does that certainly not everybody should either it's not good for everybody nowadays anymore because of this whole separation that we've had it's now genetic almost but um you know we we have to go see exaggerated uh examples or not exaggerated examples um you know we got to see these instances of death i think this is part of our genetic makeup i think death we need to see it i think we need to see i think we crave seeing it so i think that's why we put it in books and movies and video games so much i think that's why we're revolving around it so hardcore you know we as a species now we've been involved in in so much death. We've been involved in death, not even just seeing. We've been involved in it, the partaking of it, and the experiencing of it for so long, so many millennia. You know, it only makes sense that we would really want to, re- you know, to be involved in it. You know, in certain extents, even re- regardless of how we are nowadays. Primally, you know, it's probably a very necessary thing where, you know, there are positives to death that we we should search for you know because you know maybe seeing this death and stuff it enacts switches in us that make us a species make us a human you know built mental fortitude it doesn't have to be human death we don't have to visibly go hunt but i think you know i think that's what we do in, in movies and stuff why they're so gregarious now is because death used to be such a more commonplace thing even through just disease and, and war and stuff but now you know we're at such a sheltered thing where you don't have to hunt you don't have to kill anything you don't even have to watch you know anything or see anything in real life you don't have to even be involved but I think that's why, you know, we've, we've been really making video games more violent, movies more violent, and books more violent is because we're, we're pulling that out of ourselves. We know we're pulling it out of our heritage. We're pulling it out of our, you know, minds and things and pulling it out of our ancestry. Um, you know, and there are positive deaths we should search for. You know, it's not just in the media we need to search for. You know, we don't need to commit violence ourselves, but we need to kind of reopen our minds to the place in, our, in the natural order. Even our very urbanized world our ever urbanizing world the more that we're taking over this planet for our consumption and 
and and concrete and putting a layer of concrete over it you know death is still super prevalent here and not just because you know animals are getting ran ran over but because you know we are gonna start seeing different types of death with overpopulation and disease and all sorts of different things so we need to start putting death into a more realistic aspect of how it used to be i think that's what we're i think our bodies and our minds and our culture is screaming out for it but i think we're ignoring it i think we need to be able to look at death and grieve for those who need to grieve and i think we need to not be so i think we need to kind kind of warm up to it and this sounds horrible this sounds terrible this this doesn't sound the way that it should but if you think about it if you know every single death were to affect us in the way that we were treating it. And there's so many people that are not, it's not jaded to death. I mean, some people are jaded to death, but like some people also get it. But as a culture, I mean, we, we, um, you know, it, all, all these instances of death that are, you know, putting everything into a spin is, 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 is not good. It's gonna, it's gonna make us apathetic to certain things and we're not gonna have realistic expectations. We're gonna be very idealistic. We're gonna be very emotional about things that don't need to be emotional about. We're not gonna make clear decisions, but, uh, time will tell if we do the right thing or not, or if it'll fix itself. So, um, I really hope that you all have enjoyed listening to me on this. I really hope that, and you can at least read something or find something within this. Uh, I just spoke from the heart and just figured out what I, was trying to say throughout of it and even gave, gave it a second shot. Um, but, you know, as always, please, feedback is important to me. Feedback is the thing that I need. Feedback is the thing that I want. Like, that's my only attention for, or cry for attention. That's it. That's it. That's all I want to do is feedback. You, you, I mean, continue to like things, continue to follow, absolutely. But if you're listening to this, please, I don't care. Do it because I asked you to. Just say, hey, I enjoyed your, your podcast. Or, hey, I hated your podcast. I hated your podcast. Like, four words. That's all I need. Four words. That's it. That's it. Um, I, I would appreciate it. I'm not trying to push here, but I would really appreciate it. Um, other than that, please keep following along. Please keep listening to this. Uh, I'm really enjoying this. I'm really enjoying uh, knowing that you guys are listening to this. Um, uh, thank you for everybody who has commented, has responded to messages that I've sent and everything like that. I really, really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. I love you guys already. You guys are guys are the, like the best audience so far no matter how small or big this this is an awesome place to be and i'm really glad and you know i'm hoping that this weekend's gonna be great for every one of you and as always be safe and do something noteworthy even if it's only to yourself <laughs>